All right, let's do uh, in our third segment here a little bit of roundup of some more current events articles that uh, have been piling up on the desk here that we probably should tackle. Uh, one I liked that was on the August 2nd edition of Science News had to do with fish. We've been talking, we've been kind of a fish mode here. They did a study at the University of Queensland in Brisbane, Australia on the cleaner wrasse. Now, if you've ever been to a, uh, a large aquarium, you may have noticed these fish, or perhaps you've been lucky enough to see them out in the wild in, in, uh, on various reefs in the tropics. These are little fish that basically whose job it is to clean off the parasites, or at least this has been the viewpoint, they exist to nibble the parasites off larger reef fish. When I was a kid, um, I was lucky enough to have um, been given a tour of the California Academy of Sciences, their Steinhardt Aquarium in Golden Gate Park. A family friend was one of the publicity people there. And so we got an interesting behind-the-scenes look that the public just um, just isn't um, able to get. One of the most fascinating aspects was to walk behind the, um, the equipment and the various pumps at the Steinhardt Aquarium. And uh, Hal, our, our friend, said it was remarkable to get some fish from, you know, shipped in from God knows where, put them in the tank and watch as they would immediately assume this sort of like, okay, take care of me position as the cleaner wrasses would come out and then go to work and picking all the various parasites that may be um, all over the fish and the gills, etc. And he said it was just so amazing that these two fish that, you know, had never seen each other before immediately knew what their mutual role was to be. And, uh, you know, the larger fish would act like a, act like your car in the car wash, you know, sort of pull up and get serviced. Well, there may be more to this story, uh, as they discovered in, in Australia. The cleaner fish apparently also have a bit of a taste for their clients because it's been observed that they nip some of the, uh, the, the mucus off the outside of the fish. They tested this by putting some uh, some mucus, which they took off a parrotfish, and presented it to the uh, to the cleaner wrasses, and noted that yes, they would definitely um, uh, consume it over over what is thought to be their favorite dish of parasites. So uh, this apparently explains why these 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 client fish periodically dart threateningly at their cleaners, <laughs> and I've seen that where they sort of have this uneasy alliance where they're letting the uh, the wrasse nip at them, these smaller fish that they could basically, you know, eat for lunch in exchange, apparently, for the good deed of having the parasites removed. But if they get a little aggressive sometimes, uh, we assume, take a nip of the larger fish, which causes him to get a bit steamed. But uh, I guess this sort of um, mutually beneficial arrangement uh, continues with an uneasy truce. This same magazine did an article in July about herbal or herbal, depending on whether you pronounce the H, which I think is odd that both are acceptable, uh, medicines. The article was about, uh, you know, this great controversy and what do we do with these herbal medicines? They're poorly regulated. And of course, uh, some people wrote letters, angry letters uh, to the magazine, saying things like, the idea of pulling out a couple of chemicals and standardizing them is a turning away from the holism that herbal remedies represent. In an age in which a leading cause of death in the United States is hospital and doctor-caused illness, I believe I have a right to choose a different path. Okay, someone else wrote, Whoa! One of the attractions of herbal remedies is they don't kill people. Pharmaceuticals kill people. About two million a decade. Market forces take care of the shysters in time, but the FDA uses force and fraud to destroy legitimate concerns. My echinacea works just fine, thank you. Well, this prompted a response from uh, Science News to say, 
the obvious. In fact, herbal remedies have been implicated in many deaths, which I thought was an admirably restrained response. Um, the truth is, you know, you can take willow bark in lieu of aspirin. That's where we discovered, you know, aspirin was the active ingredient in willow bark. But the idea that you couldn't kill yourself by taking enough willow bark is just whacked. I think there are some herbal products out there that are that are fine, but this idea that they're not harmful, that this one uh, this one person, um, one letter writer felt that, uh, you know, they don't kill people. Well, hello, they sure do. I discovered that I didn't I didn't know this that uh, Saint John's wort apparently is what's called a mono uh, a monoamine oxidase inhibitor, an MAO inhibitor. Now there are various. Um, medications out there that are also MAO inhibitors, but they are notorious for interacting with other medications. St. John's wort will too. I would be very cautious in the use of a lot of these uh, these various herbal products. I, again, some of them are probably fine, but the idea that because they're herbal, they're not dangerous is like... All right, let's talk a little bit about duct tape. On February 10th, 2003, Government agencies indicated there was a high risk of terrorist attacks and the United States' new Department of Homeland Security advised Americans to prepare by keeping emergency supplies of food on hand. The requisites included food and water, a first aid kit, and in case of biological or chemical attack, plastic sheeting and duct tape. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm not aware of the U.S. military forces taking a lot of plastic sheeting and duct tape with them to Iraq when they allegedly faced potential chemical and biological attack. So really and truly, the idea of using duct tape as a defense against nerve gas or microbes is, is not only alarming, but it's, it's pretty comical. But at the same time, there are a few things more useful than duct tape. About the only thing that you can't do with duct tape is sealed ducts, <laughs> which the manufacturer freely admits. Now, its origins are interesting. Apparently, during World War II, uh, they needed something to, to basically strap together ammunition cases. They needed a tough, waterproof adhesive tape to seal these cases and other containers. Now, apparently, a division of Johnson & Johnson, a research team, worked on cloth tape that would be similar to surgical tape, but it would be much tougher and water-resistant. They came up with these strips of a cloth mesh that was coated with polyurethane sealant on one side and adhesive on the other to make it sticky. Now, the, there's still a controversy of whether it was called duct tape because water rolled off it like, a, uh, like off a duck's back or whether there was the layer of uh, duck cloth of cotton that formed its base. Apparently in the, the post-World uh, War II um, era, a lot of GIs that had gotten used to using this duct tape continue to use it around the house, and it's, you know, been a fixture ever since. Now, there's it's still sometimes called duct tape, CT, and sometimes called duct tape. Now, duck, allegedly, there was an amphibious vehicle known as the duck. Uh, it somehow is involved in the story. I don't know. Duck, duct, whatever. It's useful stuff. When I go on long trips, I always have a small roll in my backpack. You'd be surprised the number of uses that you can put it to. Um, there's a famous story that astronauts on the crippled Apollo 13 space capsule used duct tape to improvise a life-saving carbon dioxide filter. It's also standard equipment on the space shuttle and the International Space Station. 
Yes, it truly has an amazing number of uses. One of the most innovative is seen in Martin Scorsese's The King of Comedy, when actress-comedian Sandra Bernhardt fulfills, I think, what are probably many people's secret wishes by wrapping up Jerry Lewis in duct tape. We probably should say a few final words here on, uh, on, on the election, uh, not just about the various candidates, but about the, the deeper issues of what is going on here with elections. Kim Alexander... Um, of the California Voter Foundation has an article in the Sacramento News and Review last week you ought to check out where she explains this uh, this ongoing concern we should all have about uh, non-transparency in voting machines. As we rush to have this October election, California is sort of stuck as to what are we going to do about this? And we're going to keep following what we are going to do about this, but I liked uh, one little paragraph Kim wrote that sums it up pretty well. Describing people's recollections of Florida 2000, she said, the, the thinking seems to be that we can make those images of election workers carefully examining ballots a thing of the past simply by eliminating ballots altogether. But that's like trying to solve accounting errors by eliminating your accounting department. In the weeks to come, we're going to try and have an interview with the Flying Samaritans. It turns out I know quite a few of these people. And uh, I think they should talk about the good work they do. There was an article in the Sacramento News and Review that sort of prompts me to want to uh, cover this story a little bit more adequately. And uh, we shall in the weeks to come. And for those of you who don't know, uh, this is a band of doctors and medical volunteers who fly down to Mexico to provide uh, various health services for people in rural areas who don't otherwise have a lot of um, good access to health care. Very worthy cause. All right, uh, let's just close with the following. A group of terrorists burst into the conference room at a Ramada Inn where the American Bar Association is holding its annual convention. More than 500 lawyers were taken as hostages. Tensions rise, and the terrorist leaders announce that they will then release one lawyer per hour until their demands are met. Our thanks go once again to New Zealand documentarian Michael Bonna, and we hope in the future we'll be able to bring uh, Mike Bonna back again. He's a very interesting speaker. And thanks also to Steve Valentino for subbing for me today as I continue to be, in reality, somewhere in South America. But I'll be back next week. You've been listening to Radio Parallax on KDVS 90.3 FM. I'm Douglas Everett. Todd will follow now with Hometown Atrocities. Stay tuned. Stay tuned.